a lot of our listeners are CPG businesses and what they do is they'll focus solely on retail and completely neglect D2C. Whereas you're coming out from the other way around and actually I suppose the value of D2C is you've got way more margin, got more control of the, the whole customer journey. But I'd love to go into what are the principles of getting a D2C brand going? Say, say there's someone listening to this who's got a product in Sainsbury's, for example, but they're like, right, D2C could be a big play for us. No fucking idea what to do. I know this, a lot of this will be really like root, obvious to you, but for our listeners, it won't be. What are the top three things you absolutely must do? And then what are the top three things you should, biggest mistakes that most people make when they're starting out? Like almost like put into noob language, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I mean, mean? I, just to be clear, like I, I'm a noob with retail. So it's, I'm kind of coming at it from the opposite way. I guess the beauty of D2C is speed i think you know you can literally go from nothing to your first hundred grand in revenue in weeks if it goes well whereas retail that's obviously not the case and i'm learning that but fundamentally d to c comes down to the golden ratio is ltv to cac really um l L just those definite so lifetime value in customer acquisition yeah exactly so you know if you can increase if you can increase the distance between those numbers your, your LTV be higher your CAC be lower then basically you've got a good business and sorry, sorry to, consumables. what are those just to give just sorry to put this in like a D to C for dummies language but what are those for listeners lifetime value and uh, CAC yeah yeah so with LTV or LTR so lifetime value and lifetime revenue count the same thing depends on where you slice it it's just how much a customer will spend in their lifetime with with your brand so from from their first purchase to the their last purchase or you know you typically would look at like a 12 month LTV so how much they spend over a year so in my case that's how much rainbow dust has someone bought over a year you know whether they're a one-time purchaser or a subscriber you know we do we're a subscription heavy business so that's pretty good for LTV and CAC is just cost to acquire a customer so if you spend a thousand pound on Instagram ads say and you acquire a hundred customers your CAC is 10 quid because you acquired a hundred and you spent a thousand right easy maths so yeah basically um your metrics and ultimately d to c you'll be running paid social google tiktok ads they're the three we, we do right now so meta tiktok google right now i'm spending about 160 grand a month on paid social which is quite a lot and then to do that we're running a lot of creative so you know 30 second ads you've probably seen them before like fucking pink packet showing it all blah 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 like creative yeah, yeah, yeah creative <laughs> is the most important thing so we have a system for that which i built up over the past year and a bit we test a fuckload of new creatives. We, we run ads. We primarily run ads in the UK, but you can do it. In, you can do it worldwide. You run it to your website or a landing page. Most of our stuff's dedicated landing page. You know, someone lands on the page, read about the product, buy it, whatever. So yeah, fundamentally, like our target CAC, so new customer CAC is about 50 quid right now. So we're willing to spend about 50 quid to acquire a customer. Most of our customers now that we acquire do subscribe to the product. We know that most of them stay on average between four and five months in terms of buying it every month. So we know that our LTV is generally between 160 and 200 quid on a subscriber. So that's pretty healthy. You know, it's like a three to one ratio on the lower end, like LTV's CAC. Basically, a business that can spend more to acquire a customer is going to win in D2C long term. And, and the way you can do that is you can either increase your LTV or you can raise loads of fucking venture capital because you know that eventually you're going to increase your LTV. So right now, if I could spend 100 quid instead of 50 quid, I could probably spend four times as much on Instagram because the general economics of paid social or just paid ads in general is that the more you spend, the more expensive it gets. That's just how it works because you're competing with 
more brands have got bigger budget. So we're spending about five grand a day on ads right now. If we want to spend 50 grand a day, I'm probably going to have to work out how we can spend 100 quid instead of, or even 150 quid instead of 50 quid to acquire a customer. And really that means we're probably going to have to look at a 24 month LTV to justify that because, you know, 150 to 200 doesn't really check out because there's no margin there. Uh, by the time you're taking away COGS, fulfillment, tax, etc. So I don't know if that makes any sense from, from a beginner, but yeah, basically it's just driving more traffic to your website to acquire more customers with the main metric being how much you spend to acquire a customer. But obviously there's loads of factors that go into that, like conversion rate. Is it a subscription product? Is it a one-time product? Do you have other products to upsell them on later? Because we have, we've basically been one, a one product business up to now, pretty much. We have our dream dust one, but kind of fucked that up. So I don't really market that. We're launching a new flavor next week for the first time, which should be quite cool for LTV because we can obviously upsell existing customers. Got a few other things in the pipeline. But yeah, essentially, whoever can spend the most to acquire a single customer wins because you can outbid everyone else and you can spend more on ads. And if you can spend more on ads, you can basically generate more revenue and that's how you grow a business. So, you know, massive brands like Gymshark are probably spending hundreds of thousands per day on paid social, I would imagine. I don't know, I haven't seen their numbers, but just to give an idea of like how much brands actually spend on this shit. Um, I mean, when I was running Neon Beach, I was spending 25 grand a day at one point on Instagram. So you're talking like 2 million people every day seeing your ads, which is quite a lot of people. So that, that's like, in a nutshell, how I've grown every business I've ever created. It's spending money on ads. Quick one, guys. Espresso's have got a brand new sponsor, Unleashed. Unleashed is inventory management software that talks directly to your finance and econ software. We use Unleashed daily at Islands. I bloody love it. We've got our admin time in half, saving approximately 30k a year. Why use it? Save money, save headaches, save stress. Get granular clarity on your margins. Know where your stock is. Don't miss availability. Look, your favourite brands literally use Unleashed as their backbone. Candy Kittens, Tiny Rebel, Trip, all these religiously. Look, there's a link in the show notes. Please feel free to book in a call with Josh. He's a wonderful sales team at Unleashed. They're amazing. Even nothing comes of it. And even better news, you'll get your first month free if you reference Hungary. Thank you. When you say spending money on ads and you talked, you said you've got this creative system. So say you say you put 20 grand into ads for, for space goods. Yeah. But where's that money actually going? Is that on on different types? Are you testing lots of different adverts? Like where does the, because I think I kind of get the landscape, i.e. The, the CAC and the lifetime value and, and kind yeah. of how that works. But then I suppose so many brands who listen to this are on, are, are on I have a D2C business that does fuck all for them. There's nowhere near a hundred grand. Like, how are you spending that money? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I'm always amazed. I speak to a lot of founders that haven't really cracked D2C. And I say, are you running ads? And they say, no. And I say, well, how the fuck is anyone ever going to know about your website then? Like, I I don't understand it. Like, where does the revenue come from if people aren't going to the website? So yeah, I mean, so I said we spend like five grand a day right now on ads. I mean, about 80% of that is on Instagram. So those those annoying ads you see that say sponsored I mean, people listening to this might have seen the brand or you've certainly seen other brands. You know, Athletic Greens are going really hard on Instagram right now. I feel like everyone is being hit by Athletic Greens and Huel and brands like that. I know Trip's spending quite a lot on Instagram as well. I see their ads all the time. So yeah, when you see that ad and click, that's what I'm, 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 I'm buying an impression basically. So with paid social, you pay per thousand, pay per thousand people. So 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I'm paying to put my ads in front of you. So it's really important that my ad is good and that when you click the ad, my website or landing page is good. So there's a lot of variables and moving parts, which is why I think D2C is like brutally complicated because there are so many moving parts to fundamentally just sell a product, even when you have one product, which is a bit more simple. And then also like ads on Google. So if you search like (laughs) mushroom coffee, you'll probably see space goods come up on shopping. That's a different ad platform. So that's pay per click. That's YouTube and then it's the same shit on TikTok. So, you know, you, you you might see ads on TikTok. It's the same model as Instagram. So that's where the money's going. We're by, basically just buying impressions on ad platforms and it's very targeted. You know, we're targeting people that might be interested in wellness, fitness, mushroom coffee, whatever it is. I mean, creative is probably the most important variable these, these days because these ad platforms have such powerful algorithms, so much data that you can almost just put zero targeting on an ad these days and just run a good creative and Facebook will just buy, it will find you buyers. It pretty much works like that. What are what are the creatives that have worked like really well for you? And what what are the and then what are the, the flip side of that? What are the mistakes mo- most people make with coming up with these ads? You've seen? Yeah, I think like a general theme from stuff I've done in the past as well is generally stuff that is really cheap to produce works better. It really? just, just, yeah honestly like it, you you'd be amazed how many times i've done fancy like i mean even like those 80s movies I'm, i made that were kind of for fun like they just simply do not convert customers they're too long no one's got an attention span like that stuff that works well for us is like just really choppy stuff that we've done loads of ads that are like kind of pretending it's like a, a magic potion with like graphics and shit stuff like that works pretty well i mean now we're actually trying to diversify a bit because almost all our ads have had like the same guy that's Brad that, that, that works for me in the ads. So now we're trying to pivot a bit more towards like a, an affluent middle-aged female audience. So we're using creators that are more in that demographic. But yeah, it's funny. Like I've literally made an ad on my iPhone and made it myself in 10 minutes and it's performed better than a fucking studio shoot that costs five grand. So yeah, I think like high production stuff should be on your website. And then stuff that's on ads should just be all about performance. Because, yeah, it's it's literally like, it's like it's, it, there's a science to it, really. It's, you know, how many people are you showing the ad to? How many are clicking through? How many convert on the website? It just comes down to numbers, which is probably what takes a lot of, like, the creative fun out of it because you're not making a cinematic movie. You're making a conversion ad, and often you're testing, like, 25 of them every week. It, so it really is a numbers game. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. It's just it's, it's a numbers game, and it's this huge um, user generated content. Because now make I always thought I look used to look at like um, I'm trying to think of, I don't, can't remember some of the brands that have done it. But I've always thought fucking hell, who's going to buy that? But it's mad that that mm. actually converts. What at least I watched one of your adverts. And I thought this was really interesting, and it's, it goes back to your point of brands founders being predominantly middle class right and it's like i I went i went to a good school like i came from a good back very privileged background but i think what's really interesting is there's i don't know i've discussed it with a few people in the podcast but it's like it's creating middle class middle class product middle class people create middle class products for middle class problems and the and the 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 messaging is is very uh like oh hello mate like how you doing do you know what i mean like all, all throughout I watched your advert and I thought this is sick. And I don't know, I don't know what the reference is, but it was a whole myriad of different accents all around. Talk about the product, but you had like a Geordie, you had a Prummy, you had someone Mm. posh, you had a female, you had someone old. What's the why behind that? Because that really struck a chord with me. That was probably actual customers speaking. 
and our customer base is very diverse, probably more diverse than I first thought, to be fair, because it's a pretty mass appeal product. Um, but yeah, I mean, there probably was some logic to that. It might, might have just been a test. I don't actually know how well that ad did. It might, might perform way better if we all had a Southwest London accent. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, it comes down to knowing your audience, right? And if you want to build a mass market brand, which I definitely do, I, I actually think right now we're not mass market enough. We're probably a bit too, maybe a bit too pink and neon in terms of appealing to like a super mass market audience. Because ultimately, anyone that drinks coffee is a potential customer in my mind. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Whereas right now, we're probably appealing mainly to early adopters that are like, oh, I want to try this pink thing. Whereas there's an argument to say like Karen in fucking... Basingstoke, who's never heard of mushrooms before, might be a bit scared off by the fact that we're bright pink and, you know, we're alluding to psychedelics and so on. So that's the challenge that maybe a lot of brands have when they're going from being like a, a big bedroom brand to like actually a big brand, which takes a lot of time and requires you hitting that mass appeal, particularly in the UK, because we are like 90% focused on the UK right now. And I think, I think you can get to 10 to 15 million a year just in the UK with this product you probably well you definitely can't get to 100 million which is why you'd have to go to america if you want to go like huge level like that but yeah where was i going with that i suppose it's all just testing and knowing your audience and looking at the data really um but but i'm also still very much figuring out my audience because when i launched the products i just made it for me I, i thought it would be like just kind of like entrepreneur bros that would try it like kind of biohacker types it was actually like the loudest segment of our customers in terms of the ones that write the best reviews, the email saying they love it and shit is generally like middle-aged women that have got anxiety, which is maybe not surprising in hindsight, but kind of surprised me a little bit. I mean, maybe it makes sense. It's like a pink brand. It's arguably slightly feminine, although you can't say that anymore because it's 2023. But yeah, I'm always learning about our customer base really. And we, we do a lot of surveys like post-purchase surveys, surveys to our email list and so on. And it's actually a pretty gender, well, not gender neutral, but we're like 50-50 male-female in terms of our customer base. Whereas I maybe thought it would be more guys because a lot of our early marketing was kind of like entrepreneur-focused. Whereas now it's a bit more holistic and wholesome. Thank you so, so much for listening. It honestly means the world to me. I hope you enjoyed your morning coffee and go and have an amazing day. Let's be having ya. If you want the full episode, it will be in the show notes. A link will be in the show notes for the full episode. Thank you so much. Please leave friends as well. It means a lot to me.